welcome to Jack Theology. I'm Dr. Matt Murphy alongside my my friend, Dr. Kevin Young. Welcome to the show. Yeah, here we go again. Good to see you, man. Yeah, this week we thought we'd dive in. Uh, Kevin seems to have a lot of chaos uh, posts that go viral. <laughs> This might have been your most viral post, I think. Yeah, I think I'm so. Aware. I think it. Uh, last time I checked, it had hit over three thousand, over three thousand oh, likes. Wow. Yeah, so wow. it, uh, it it struck a nerve. So, what'd you say again? What it was very short and sweet. Yeah, I think Catholic it was uh, Catholics are Christians. Period. period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we thought we'd dive into that because talking about jack theology we grew up in an environment at least i'll speak for myself grew up in an environment where we we didn't consider uh catholics saved yeah. or christian Same which here. is interesting so yeah so i thought we'd start by uh before we dive into the specifics of that like what is salvation or what does it even mean to be a christian i think we have to have that kind of conversation and then we can dive in a bit. Yeah, I think that's um, a good question. Several people asked that on the post and I, I just completely avoided answering. <laughs> well, um, I, 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 I don't I didn't feel like they were asking it. I It, it felt a little like a trap uh, a little bit. Yeah, well, I think the confusion here is, is and I, I give uh, Matthew Bates credit for this, is we tend to fight about the implications of the gospel of, of salvation. And we don't, we, we can't boil down what the actual good news, what is, what is salvation? I think Matthew Bates answers those questions for us. Well, he has a book called gospel allegiance, salvation, salvation by, um, I think he says pistos alone, um, is an academic book. And then he just came out with uh, a book called the gospel proper, um, and so he, he argues and I tend to agree with him. And I think this is a good way to unify this conversation around is that you, uh, a Christian gives Christ their pistos, which could be translated many different ways. He translates, translates it as allegiance. We could give Christ a Christian is one who gives Christ their allegiance. Um, also other, other folks translate it. And, and most of our, of our Bibles translations will translate as like faithfulness uh, that we give Christ our, our faithfulness. And so there's this idea that we behind our faith is we put our, you know, our money where our mouth is. And I was thinking about this too, from you and I enjoy fitness and, and weightlifting and, and those sorts of things. And it's like, if I never actually lift weights and, and give the weight, the barbell, my allegiance, am I actually a weightlifter, you know? Um, and so I, I tend to, and then you look throughout history, uh, those are the people that we called Christians, right? Those that gave their faithfulness or they gave their allegiance uh, to Christ and they were called a Christian, a little Christ. Um, so I, I think for me, I, I know there's going to be disagreement around it, but I think we all would agree, Catholic or Protestant or evangelical, um, that part of salvation is giving Christ our allegiance, our pistos. Uh, so yeah. I think we start there. Yeah. I mean, I out. like that, Matt, um, you've used that word allegiance a lot over the years. And, and I really like that. 
I, I think part of the reason I like it is because for a lot of us, and, and this may not be a one-for-one one trade, but, but we understand the idea of allegiance because of the Pledge of Allegiance a little bit. you know. And so this idea of us having allegiance to something um, <laughs> is maybe more easily translatable than the word pissos. Uh, part of, I think, what has come to really frustrate me about Christian circles over the years, and this is probably, you mentioned how we were raised, and I was raised in a similar context as you, salvation in a lot of the camps that I've been in over the years has been more about knowing and keeping people out, knowing who is outside and, and maybe keeping people outside of the walls of, of the kingdom of God rather than keeping as many people inside of the kingdom. It's more exclusionary than it was inclusionary. Uh, and I, I guess I'm, I'm moving in a direction where it's not as though there's no bar, but I want to lower the bar as much as possible and remove as many stumbling blocks to people being a Christian as, as I can, rather than try to put as many hurdles in place. Uh, and, and I guess that's just where I, where I am. And so, you know, when we say allegiance, I, I like that because, um, it changes the nature of the conversation for me. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, we find a, as humans, we, we like to know that other people are out if we're in. It makes us feel better, right? And so I think that's why over the years, I think, especially Protestant evangelicals tend to be a narrower view of who's actually saved. Uh, in preparation for this conversation, I was like uh, watching a couple videos of people actually talking about this. Are Catholics saved? And, and the one gentleman from... Uh, you know, our Al Mohler's school uh, professor there said, well, yeah, of course Catholics can be saved because I know some of them are born again, right? So they're only saved because they take your view of what salvation is. And I think the Protestant view, when I look at it, um, you have to get the theology right to be saved. Like if you don't have their theology per perfect, then you're, then you're out. Yeah. I, I can remember being a part of growing up, you, you would talk about these gospel preaching churches versus those who weren't preaching the gospel. And even as a pastor, I remember having those conversations. And what you really meant was by that was not that they weren't Christian, but they didn't believe what you believed about salvation specifically all the way down to the T, which is unfortunate um, because I think any um, denomination, Catholic, Protestant, Part, part of giving Christ your allegiance is repenting, it's confessing, it's believing, it's pursuing mission, you know, and on and on and on. Like all, all of that includes, and I don't think anybody would argue against any of those things, right? And so like Protestants though, they kind of put it in this specific order that, well, you have to believe, you know, the five solos, right? You have to pray the prayer and become born again. Um, and so I think that's what gets, gets confusing, um, at times. Uh, and, and so then, well, since you don't believe this and you haven't done exactly like this, then you're not saved. Right. Yeah. Uh, then 
Yeah, no, I think, um, <laughs> and, and I saw that on the post, you know, part of the, the hundreds uh, and hundreds of responses on there were, were people arguing um, across the, the walls of their denominations and, um, you know, camps in Christianity, who was in it and who was in and who was out. And it, it came down a lot to, you know, Orthodox uh, Christians and Catholic Christians and Protestant Christians, you know, a, a lot of them saying, you know, the others were out. Well, you know, you have to be Protestant, you know, because this is our definition of salvation to be in. And, and there were Orthodox Christians on there who were saying, well, Orthodox is the only church. It's the church. If you're Catholic, if you're Protestant, you're out. And there were a lot of Catholics on there who were saying, no, you, you can't be Christian, you know, to be, you know, the, the post said Catholics are Christians. Uh, and a lot of folks responded, a lot of Catholics responded, well, no. Christians are Catholic, you know, they just kind of mm. flipped it around. Well, you know, Protestants say Protestants are, are Christian, you know, Orthodox, yeah. Orthodox are Christian. And I, I bristle a bit about drawing differences in the salvation section of our, our belief systems. I, I think, you know, everybody, Orthodox, Catholic and Christian would, would subscribe to most of the creeds, at least I think the Apostles' Creed. And um, it's difficult for me, at least, to say that anybody who can subscribe to the basics of the Apostles' Creed, which I think all, all of those would, uh, it's difficult for me to say that anything additional to that is, is necessary for salvation. It's not as though differences, I think, are, are unimportant, but I, I don't find them in... I don't find them to be meaningful in, in, in the salvation arena. You, you know, what you said, I think about doctrines is, is important. Somebody made a statement that just kind of blew my mind, but I think it's so true. Um, it's, do we believe in justification by faith alone? Or do we believe that people have to believe in the doctrine of justification by faith alone? And so I, I think there's a real, there's a real mental thing that, that we have to do there to say, do we require, is it really just justification by faith alone? Or do we require that people have to believe in the doctrine of justification by faith alone in order to be saved? That's a great distinction. Yeah. I think that's, that's the problem here uh, is that we are forcing people to believe our doctrine before they can be saved <laughs> rather than if that's what you truly believe, then why not just, invite them into following Christ and then teach them doctrine. Uh, it's, it's, it seems backwards to me. Um, and I, 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 and maybe that's a Catholic way of looking at things because they tend to, you know, they baptize babies uh, for, you know, for them, that's a sacrament of salvation that they're now part of the covenant family of God. Um, and so they, the Catholic the sacramental way, I think, is a, is maybe a better way of putting it. Sacramental theology looks at you start with the end, you know, and then you invite people into living who they already are uh, in Christ. Um, and so it's kind of the whole whole uh, identity piece, like calling somebody a saint, calling somebody a Christian, and then teaching them how to walk in that this is what a Christian looks like. This is what a Christian does. Um, I tend to think, 
that's a better way of doing it. I mean, I, I am a sacramental, uh, I practice sacramental theology, but, um, I, and I, I guess it, so the Protestant view would be right. The five solas. And as I was thinking about them, especially the faith, the faith alone one, I, I think in some sense, the Protestant view of salvation, especially justification by faith alone, has been skewed. Uh, and so I have a problem with this because a lot of churches I've been in, a lot of folks I know is you're just trying to get people born again, right? Just, just pray the prayer pray of the salvation prayer. and, and you're justified because you've put your faith in Christ. And so, but then that's it. There, you don't have to live out anything more. You don't have to live out. You don't actually have to be a Christian. Um, you know, John MacArthur and the Nashville document that was signed by all the John MacArthurites and fundamentalists, uh, you know, put that in black and white that like living a social justice life, living as Christ live in the world, loving others, loving our neighbor isn't a requirement for the church. Not only a requirement, but a lot of these folks, I think, believe if you live that kind of life, then you're not then you're not saved. Like it's not even for a lot of these folks. You know, if you're committed to social justice or, or you're involved in advocacy uh, or, or, or some of these things, not only is it not necessary, which I think is, is a great point, man, that, that you, it's a fire escape prayer. It's a get out of hell, you know, free card. Uh, pray the prayer and be born again and, and, and you're good. But a lot of these folks are even going the two, three, four steps forward and saying you, uh, if, if you do these additional things, works then you believe in works salvation and the works that you're doing are are not godly works because you're not speaking the truth to these people and so you're uh you're clearly you're clearly not saved you're outside of the kingdom of god which is crazy to me if you live like jesus it doesn't matter what you believe but you're still out yeah but yet they they still practice works right you still have to have a level of Workspace salvation. I know, to be a part right? Of I, I mean, and this right? was driving me nuts. And what people were saying was, "Well, Catholics are workspace salvation." I'm like, "Your ah, <laughs> Protestant salvation is just as based on works. It's just different works." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Praying yeah, to like prayer you, is a work. Praying to prayer and then it's, living up to some moral code, right? Like. MacArthur and those churches, they'll kick you out if you if you live a certain way, um, if you don't keep their standard of morality. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. And they'll call you unsaved because of it. So, yeah, there is definitely works. Um, and I don't think the reformers had in mind kind of how we're practicing, especially that one. Yeah, so ed educate me because I don't know. Yeah, w w what do you – Help, help me understand. Well, I think the reformers, especially Luther, was reacting towards what we, I think we all agree, even the church, the Catholic church agrees. I mean, at least this pope has spoke out against indulgences and that sort of thing that you essentially buy your salvation, you know, and it was a way for the church to control and manipulate and make money. And they, they abuse their power. And so Luther was saying... No, you're not justified by all these indulgences, all these other ways to get to heaven. You're only justified by your faith, uh, by your pistos, you know, by your allegiance, we could even say. Uh, you know, so I, I don't think he had in mind that you don't 
participate in social justice, <laughs> I think he had in mind reacting against um, some corruptness of the church at that time. Um, you know, and then and then tradition, so scripture alone. So a Catholic, um, you know, a practicing Catholic puts out really high value on tradition, equal to scripture. So, so tradition and scripture working together are are the authority for the church, whereas a Protestant, you know, it has that sola as, as scripture alone. You don't need tradition. And I also, again, I, I think there's Luther reacting against the corruptness of the church and trying to take kind of the human element out of it um, with that scripture alone. But you can't read scripture without tradition. You, you cannot, yeah. I mean, it's impossible to read scripture without tradition. Yeah, I, I so, total, totally agree. Whenever folks say, you know, scripture... Scripture alone is the Bible only. And then in the same breath, you know, we will say, well, the church has always believed this, which, first of all, is not true. <laughs> but, but, but the appeal is to tradition for understanding Scripture. They say Scripture yeah. alone, but they appeal to the tradition of the interpretation of that Scripture. And so, you know, it's, it's, no, it's no different than what the Catholic Church is doing, and yet you're crying foul on the Catholic church for appealing to tradition. And yet we Protestants do the same thing. Yeah. And it, you know, grace alone too. So like, I mean, Catholic has a high view of grace, you know, sacramental theology is God's grace is, is coming through a human act uh, through. And so they see themselves, a, a Catholic uh, Christian would see the church, the Catholic church as the extension of Christ continue to continue to live here on um, earth and and as I as I thought about that I can see why there's such a resistance to talking about Jesus amongst a lot of especially more neo-reformed theobros uh, because the Catholic Church takes a high view of Jesus and we want to we want to live Jesus in the world that's they how they feel their calling is and so they have these sacraments that they want to do that by that are presided over you know by a bishop or a priest or you know, some representative of leadership of Christ, of, of Christ in the world to bring that grace through this water, through this bread and wine, you know, through this marriage, through this anointing with oil for confirmation and for the priesthood. Um, and so, but that call in all of those is to then go live Jesus out into the world. And so grace is a huge deal because you're given that grace than to share with the world, which as a Protestant evangelical, I said all the time <laughs> from the pulpit that you're given this grace to then go live that out and, and share that grace uh, with the world. So like, I don't see much difference between the Catholic view on grace and the Protestant view on grace. And I know that reading your thread some, that there's a lot that think, you know, the Catholic view is just, there is no grace. It's all, um, it's all workspace, which is true. I mean, I've met Catholics that have never heard of grace, um, but also I've met Protestants and I lived as a Protestant, not experiencing grace. So I think it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, Protestant yeah. Yeah. No, I think your, your point is well taken in that a lot of times the Protestants and 
create in their mind this straw man, this monolith of the Catholic Church that all Catholics believe the same thing. And I saw that a lot in the conversation. You know, Catholics believe in a works-based salvation alone. Catholics believe in um, Mary being co-redemptrix, you know, with with Christ. That that she also, you know, essentially was was co-redeemer uh, with Christ. You know, that they pray. That all Catholics pray. You know, directly to the saints rather than to Christ. Um, and and. I think that we would bristle as Protestants with a Catholic or an Orthodox or, or somebody who wasn't a follower at all of of Jesus looking at our faith and, and grouping all Protestants into one category that they all believe the same thing. And one of the things that I realized was uh, I do that or have done that a lot with Catholicism. It's not, it's not true. A lot of the things that I believed Catholics doctrinally all subscribed to were not true or were a very limited subset of Catholics who believe that. It would be like a Catholic looking at Protestants and saying, y'all are snake handlers <laughs> or, or uh, looking at Protestants and, and saying, you, all of you uh, believe in this one very narrow, crazy doctrinal uh, thing. And it's not true of us and it's not true of them. And uh, it, it was it was really eye opening. It, it made me um, question a lot of what I was taught about Catholics that uh, I may not know. And I met a lot of Catholics in the thread who <laughs> I think were probably more mature Christians than uh, than a lot of Protestants, and maybe even me, which was kind of challenging. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, I think your your point earlier just holds true. It's just are are we call, calling them to a doctrine or, or to a savior? And it's it's interesting because even if, you know, some of the beliefs that we probably wouldn't subscribe to, the deification of Mary, probably the biggest one, is why well, even if somebody believed that, then why does that prevent them from being saved, right? Um, why does that prevent salvation? Uh, I, I don't, I don't think it does. And I think you evaluate someone, uh, you know, Jesus or Paul talked about by the fruit of the spirit, right? You, these, these are the things that, you know, who's a believer and before the Protestant revolution, or reformation 500 revolution ago, may actually be the better word before the Protestant insurrection. Yeah, insurrection. <laughs> Where, for the first... <laughs> What's the word insurrection too far? Did I did I hit a nerve? I'm so sorry. <laughs> for the first fifteen hundred years uh, of Christ Christendom, like were none of those people saved? Is that what is that what folks are saying? Uh, because we are all Catholic. All of, all of our ancestors, all of the early Christians before fifteen fifteen seventeen. I don't know if they're saying it, but I think they're saying it. You know, it's 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 the end result, clearly, of 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 that of that belief. If Protestants showed up and got it right, and what the Catholics believe does not redeem them, then yeah, I think that's I think that's what we're saying, and we're doubling down, tripling down on that right now. I, I we're you know I've talked about this a little bit. We're becoming more tribal. 
and that even Protestants are now saying other Protestants, you know, who believe in salvation by faith alone plus nothing uh, are not redeemed or not saved because of their belief in other secondary issues, you know, homosexuality, <laughs> abortion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are saying, well, okay, you may believe in the five solas, but because you disagree on these six passages on this issue or these two passages on this issue, uh, you now are, are outside of the kingdom of God. And what the hell are we doing, Matt? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, not only is it now not our, our, our Catholics Christian, period, but but a, a whole lot of other people who don't agree with us on the finer points of the law aren't either. And I, I just imagine Jesus shouting to us across time and space, whitewashed tombs. Oh. <laughs> you whitewashed tombs. Um, and it's, you know, it's convicting. Uh, it's, it, it's convicting to me because, you know, I, I think I've heard these words with the Catholic Church. There is truth and beauty in, in the Catholic Church. And, you know, for a lot of years, I couldn't see either one of those things. And then once I started interacting with Catholic people, you know, I started diving in, you know, to our shared history. You know, as you said, 1,500 years. I started finding a lot of beauty in the stories and, and the history and um, a, a lot of the beliefs that I think Protestant, Protestants rejected. Uh, I started seeing beauty in, in a, 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 lot of, a lot of these things. And, and then I started, you know, seeing, seeing some truth in, in what they believed. And uh, can I say that I'm full sail, you know, bought into every doctrine that, that the Catholic Church believes? No, I can't. But I also can't say that about the Protestant Church either. You know, I'm full sail bought into to every belief that, that the Protestant Church believes. Uh, and at that point, you know, like where we started, I, I look back and I say, okay, well, what is necessary to your question? What is what is necessary for salvation? And I think generally in the foundations of the Catholic Church and in a lot of the Catholics that I know, they believe the same foundational things about Jesus and about uh, the kingdom of God that I do. And so who am I? Uh, who am I to say? You know, that, that just because we worship and practice our faith differently, um, we're not all serving the same God in the same kingdom. I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't think it's my right any more than it is their right to say that about me. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I stumbled upon an article um, actually on the the Gospel Coalition, although they um, they were quoting Greg Allison, who wrote a book, uh, Roman Catholic Theology and Practice and Evangelical Assessment. Um, and I've read the book. I have the book. And it's a, it's a good summary. And the most fascinating thing for me is, and it's kind of, you made me think of it where you're just talking now. There's so many commonalities 
So they list, he lists, Allison lists 10. So we, we have a common tradition and theology, Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant on the Holy Trinity. We believe very similarly. We believe very similarly on the nature of God, that God is eternal, unchangeable, all, you know, omnipresent, omnipotent, all those things. You know, the revelation of God, that God both has a general revelation through creation and human conscious and a special revelation through Jesus and his word. They, we, we have the same beliefs around Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, you know, the whole Apostles' Creed. Now, the saving work, we, we believe that he lived, all of us believe he lived a sinless life, uh, that he was crucified, he died uh, for our sins, was buried and resurrected. Uh, we all believe in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We all believe in the glory and depravity of human beings, that Adam and Eve fell in the sin, that we were, we were created as image bearers, uh, kind of the juxtaposition of, of, of sinners, but yet still image bearers of God. We all believe the same around that, that salvation is initiated by God. We believe, uh, we, we all believe that. We believe in the church, uh, the community of faith, and then the living hope that we uh, escape whatever version of eternal punishment uh, the church has. Um, so it's interesting. There's 10 things that as I read those and, and you think about those things, those seem to be core to our faith. <laughs> and so why would, why would we say a whole section of the church across the world who believes all of those things is just thrown out because they don't believe very specific nuanced things that maybe we think are true. Um, I think, yeah, you're throwing, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater for sure on that one. Yeah, I love that, Matt. Um, I love that because well, what, what? Okay, so I posted the uh, I posted the, the the tweet that rocked the world uh, on Reformation Day, which wasn't intentional, but it just kind of happened. I think that it was Reformation Day, and what what Reformation? What October thirty first, fifteen seventeen? Is that is my is my year right? 1517 yeah. was a year yeah. where, where yeah. Martin Luther nailed the, the 95 theses to the Wittenberg door, uh, the door of the Wittenberg church. So what, like 517, 500 and what, five years since, um, since that's happened. The Catholic church at the start of the Reformation 500 years ago, it's not the Catholic church of today. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I think... You know, you point out something that was an aha moment to me, and that is there has been a lot of, and a few people are going to bristle at this word, but there's been a lot of ecumenical work that has been done between Catholics and Protestants. You know, the Catholic, you know, leaders have come to the table with Lutherans and, and Presbyterians and, and Methodists and other Protestant uh, denominations and uh, ecumenical, not in a way where we're saying we're going to sacrifice, you know, what we believe in order to somehow or other come to a, a muddy middle where we can all agree on, but, but know what's really happened over that 500 years, which is, thanks for pointing this out, is that a lot of 
Catholic groups and Protestant groups have come together at the table and said, let's have a conversation about what we believe and let's find where there's unity. And that information is readily available. And what you just read is one of those um, one of those outcomes, I think, to those, which is <laughs> incredible to me, is we can say we may have things that we do disagree on or at least do differently, but we have a lot of things that we agree on now after 500 years that we might not, <laughs> we might not have seen eye to eye on five centuries ago, but <laughs> a lot has happened in five centuries. The Catholic Church of today is not the Catholic Church of 500 years ago, and thank God the Protestant Church of today is not the Protestant Church in the early years of the Reformation. I mean, Calvin was killing people, you know, who disagreed <laughs> with him. Uh, yeah. you, you know, we've we've matured a little since then, and the Catholic Church, I think, though it changes less <laughs> probably than than other churches do because of the way it's designed and wired, might be a good thing. But there's still been change over 500 years, and I I like that list. I, those yeah. are the, those are the basics. Those are the foundations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the Protestant Reformation did have an impact on the Catholic Church, um, you know, to, I think, for the good. I, I think it was a healthy thing, right? It was it was calling people back to the heart of the gospel of who Jesus was. And I think for many, the pendulum swung too far, uh, you know, away from where the church was. And so I think now that's why we have this, well, Catholics can't be saved kind of stuff coming out because we're just, we've just swung it so far the other way. We've lost the heart of being faithful and had given our allegiance. And yeah, there is an element of works based righteousness. Um, if I don't, if I don't step forward and do things, uh, does it, do I really believe in what I'm saying? Right. If I never actually go, go do what I'm saying, um, it, it, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't line up. Um, so, and I think that's always, that's there in every, uh, every tribe they have that. Um, yeah. And I, I think too, is it, is if, if, if we have, if we all had to believe that doctrine of salvation, it to be saved like how many people are actually saved right right what is it like the holy 24 <laughs> you know like when it boils down to it you know it's going to be grant brian and dale and, the, and, the, <laughs> and if you guys know who those names are that he just named <laughs> more, more power to you uh yeah but well, i you have pointed out something that has been weighing a lot on me. The Catholic Church of 500 years ago, I think even most Catholics would say needed reform in a lot of what was going on. And the Protestant um, Reformation, Luther, though I'm certain it was painful, was an important part of deconstructing and reconstructing the Catholic Church into something um, that was more along the lines of, of what it started as and, and should have been. I think, and I may get some grief for this, but I'm just going to say it because that's just who I am. I think the Protestant church in a lot of ways is in the same place the Catholic church was 500 years ago. 
the Protestant church is in a place where uh, what it has added and made faith and Christianity to be is in a lot of ways no worse and maybe in some ways far worse than where the Catholic Church was at the start of the Reformation. And uh, the Protestant Church is in desperate need of being broken down and reformed if it's going to survive. People are running like rats out of a burning building from the Protestant Church. And you know where they're running to? They're running to the churches that were there 1,500 years before the Protestant Reformation. They're running back to the Catholic Church. They're running back to Orthodoxy. They're running back to these streams of Christianity that predate the Reformation. Why? Because, in my opinion, the Protestant Church is become what it hated 500 years ago. Agreed. Well, you don't have to agree. agree. You, you, can, you can disagree. <laughs> no, I, I, you're you're spot on. It's it's become very power hungry. It's become very, uh, you know, financial. I'm trying to, you know, uh, greedy, uh, both with power, uh, money, and also prestige or the celebrity idea. Yeah, the empire. Um, it's. Keeping people out, I mean, yeah, Catholic Church, you know, part, part of Martin Luther's main primary was keeping people out, you know, drawing a circle too small. Um, yeah. The church yeah. getting to decide who's in and who's out. And, and what is the Protestant Church doing today? Trying to decide who's in and who's out and narrowing yeah. that down. Yeah. Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting how it all returns. Um, and yeah, and the Protestant church now is afraid of everybody who's deconstructing. Oh, they're not becoming Christians. Well, I guess if you're, or they're leaving the faith, they're no longer Christians. Well, I guess if you're, if you define becoming a Christian as holding up your doctrine, then, then sure, they're probably right. But, um, if you define a Christian as what we've been defining it today, they're not leaving the faith. <laughs> they're just leaving your doctrine or version of 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 what salvation is uh because it's so unhealthy and unhelpful it's uh yeah and it it doesn't it's not attract like jesus was attractive right he had a massive following he had um like people loved the work of jesus i mean that's why he had on Palm Sunday, you know, he had a crowds of people. He, he spoke to five that, you know, he, he drew crowds. Why? Because he was attractive. <laughs> their, their mode of, of salvation is not attractive at all. And so it was interesting the other day, somebody who, who watches this occasionally and, and watches my post online, who's part of our community here in New Jersey. She's a self-professed atheist um, who's probably a better Christian than most Christians I know. Um, and I've tried to tell most her that. Most atheists would take offense at you saying that, FYI. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I've tried telling her that, like, you actually get it. And she does. Like, she she knows the Bible. Like, she's not an idiot. Um, and she said to me that you're the type of Christian that I, when I read about Jesus, that's how Christians should be, the way you are and operate in the world. 
And it was like one of the best compliments I've ever received in my life because that's kind of my goal. <laughs> my calling is to show people what Jesus might look like in this world. And for her to say that was just powerful. And she said, all those other Christians like make me hate Christianity, you know? And it's like, really? Like, so we, we, me too. We, me too. I, we, I, we I, have I said to, it. I, 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 you know, I, the way Christians act make me want to be an atheist. And I got destroyed by several people who pastors could not say, how could you ever say that? Yeah. Just, just keeping it, like, just keeping it real. You, you Christians <laughs> make me not want to be yeah. a Christian. Yeah. Like, wow. I mean, is that what we're, is that what they're trying to do? Like, you just want to make everyone around you so angry and hate filled towards you and in your religion that like, you're the only one that's, you know, in, I mean, that's what's happening. And I think that's why a lot of people are leaving the church as well. Like what you just said, like, I hate, I hate this. Like, I don't want to be associated with this. I don't want to be around this. And more and more people, uh, young people, especially as they're coming up, they just see the inauthenticity of it and they're out, they're gone. Um, and it's hard to bring them back. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't implore them to come back to, to a lot of the, a lot of the places and a lot of the, the churches that, that we have. I, I, I understand it. I, I get it. And I think, you know, part of, I know your heart, part of our heart, yours and mine is to somehow or other create safe space and a world or, or a church where questions can be asked, where, where people can wrestle, where differences of, of opinion and perspective can be explored and where the church isn't so enamored with the empire that it seeks to wield religion through through the weapon of of the government. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, we're yeah the back to the wolves. <laughs> I find it fascinating. They're both wolf. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Christian nationalism. I, I you know I was thinking, man, we. Uh, if the Protestant church is where the Catholic church was 500 years ago, then we need to come up with our 95 theses and where, where are we going to, where, where are we going to nail these things? Is, is it to like William Wolf's intern door at Southern <laughs> seminary? Like where's the, where's the door, you know, where, where, where are we, where are we nailing this missive? Yeah. Well, it's funny cause they think they're nailing their missive to the wall right now, which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're not yeah yeah they're yeah there's a lot of lack of self-awareness in the church and i can't decide matt whether the self-awareness and the lack thereof is truly because people are just inept and don't see what's going on you know what the bible says why people are leaving where the problems are, I, I don't understand if it's just because they don't see it or if they have intentionally refused to see it in order to try and in some way, shape or form save 
what is left of the ship. I, I don't I don't know whether it's sheer idiocy that, that they don't see it or whether it's a willful. Yeah, I think it's a one last grasp to save what they think what was. I don't know that it ever was what they think it is, but um, I think it's a last grasp because, yeah, they, they see it. I mean, that people are leaving the church. It's, I, I get on there and most deconstruct or the most Christian nationalists are, are very fundamentalist or even just uh, your average evangelical pastor is bashing deconstruction and trying to make that like a, a, a curse word in the church because they're afraid of what's happening in the church, that it is people are leaving, that their power is diminishing. And so I think Christian nationalism is one, one reaction to that that has a lot of weight right now because of Donald Trump and him supporting that idea. Um, but the, the average, you know, the, the churches that come to mind that probably wouldn't jump into that, hopefully, you know, like the, the Matt Chandler's of the world, the Andy Stanley's of the world, uh, those folks, the Stephen Furtick's like what's their reaction going to be? Cause their platforms are built on a lot of this too that will probably erode over time as well. And so what's, I'm curious about what their reaction will be uh, when their influence starts to erode a bit. Uh, wh- where are they going to jump? What's there going to be their last grasp of it all? Do we see some of those guys head into deconstruction as well and maybe become leaders that in would that? Be, that, would be a game, that would be a game changer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I hope if they do that, I hope they do it um, authentically and not to – several of the people who I've seen influencers move into talking about the construction uh, have done so, I think, to try to build a brand or an audience around it. And I hope yeah. if, if some of those, you know, ministers – Well, that was Joshua Harris, leaders, right? Yeah, well, Joshua Harris. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was one who he did He was that. trying – the rise and fall of uh, the rise and fall of Marty, Marshall tried to destroy him. You know about that. Yeah. My, you know it, uh, what I see happening right now is a lot of those ministry mega churches and pastors are doubling and tripling down to try to prevent what is inevitable from happening, and that's attrition. Uh, you know the church has been in tr- attrition for decades. COVID accelerated that a lot of small churches uh, and ministries died or, 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 or I had one this week, you know, that I know of out in California closed uh, because of, because of COVID and they were thriving beforehand. I, what I see happening, the new model is colonialism with churches. Now it's not just building satellite churches. It's taking over small churches and turning them into satellites. And so this is, I think what what the next wave, you know, for those large mega churches to try to wait it out to see if the world turns around is to just start taking over small churches and mm. growth growth in that way. Um, I I would love it if I would love it if they would do what you said and instead just be honest about the state of the church and why people are leaving and then 
I, I mean, I, if somebody, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20,000 member church pastor stands up and says, hey, let's, let's start talking about these questions that everybody's asking that's causing them to leave the church because they don't feel like the church is a safe space to ask these questions. Um, I, I mean, I can't imagine how that would change, change the nature of the conversation and, and maybe turn the tide, you know, for the Protestant church if, if the leaders would do that. But yeah, I, I think I, I, I haven't seen it happen yet. Doesn't mean it won't. I would love it. Yeah, it, it's a lot of ignoring. It's it's hiding. It's uh, you know, trying yeah, just trying to move on. Like you said, let's try to put a band aid on a you know a big knife cut. <laughs> you know, like a four inch gash. Put a little band aid on it, and uh, with these satellite. You're right. These satellite ideas and home churches. Um, you know, I've seen some of that out there where these big mega churches, you know, like watch parties and that sort of thing, just trying to, to keep their brand alive somehow. I, I you know, it was interesting. I, I had a conversation with an old high school friend who's actually part of, um, the village church, Matt Chandler's church in, in Texas. I wanted, she actually wanted to tell me her perspective on everything, which was actually, she was a little bit even angrier than I was about it all. And she said, uh, a lot of folks at the church are, are very angry and uh, with the leadership. And it, and she said, it, it didn't just start with this incident. It's like, it's been building, you know, uh, just the dishonesty, the, the abuse behind the scenes, the lack of um, transparency on issues. Um, and so I think people are just fed up with that. And, and for some reason, we think hiding things and not talking about things is the way to go. And maybe that's a CYA culture of not wanting to be sued and that sort of thing. But uh, that's not how the church is supposed to be. Um, so, yeah. I think that's just yeah. a cultural thing. Uh, it's, it's, I, don't, I, I don't know that the leaders who built the empire of Protestantism to what it is today are going to be the leaders who have what it takes for, for whatever the next season is. Um, and unfortunately we're in this middle space where, um, it's obvious that what is, uh, what, what has been is, is wrecked beyond repair, but what will be is not yet clear. And that's mm -hmm. a real terrifying place to be in, uh, especially as a ministry leader. Yeah, you're right on. You're right on. But uh, well, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, what I do know is um, I, I, I don't want to show up to heaven and uh, I, I don't want to show up to heaven and, and run the risk of saying to God, uh, I didn't love deeply enough or, or, or throw my arms open wide enough to your church and to your body and to others. And so... Uh, I'd much rather risk an inclusive faith that says, you know, salvation is easily attained rather than exclusionary faith that says you've got to do this list of 15 or 20 things my way and believe what I believe my way in order to, to get in. 